Good morning, everyone. I hope you're having a great day today. It is Tuesday. It is uh, October 6th, and it's a beautiful sunny day here in North Texas. I think it's supposed to be pretty warm today, but uh, we will take the sunshine knowing that colder weather is around the corner, so that's exciting. Uh, we also uh, have a I'm excited about today. We have a, a great topic to talk about in Galatians chapter 2. Uh, Galatians chapter 2 is uh, some good stuff, and so excited to talk about that today, and uh, so excited that you are here uh, and joining us, whether you be joining us live or while listening on our podcast later on. Thanks for making this part of your day and part of your spiritual uh, discipline, part of your spiritual routine, uh, growing in, in the Word and, and helping uh, yourself and the Spirit to work within you to understand more uh, what it is that God would have you know. So thanks for making this part of your day. So last time we started Galatians chapter 1, we did Galatians chapter 1, that has been uh, posted, and so if you missed that, you can find that both on the Abiding Grace Facebook page and the Grace Abides podcast. And so today we are looking at Galatians chapter 2. And so we have a couple verses to look at here in Galatians chapter 2, and then just a couple things to uh, to point out and talk about and uh, some things to think about. So uh, we are going to jump right in Galatians chapter 2, verses 7 and 8. Paul talks about going to Jerusalem 14 years after the first time he went, going there to talk about uh, whether... Uh, whether Gentiles needed to be circumcised to become Christians. So this is what he says. Uh, They recognized that I had been entrusted with the task of preaching the gospel to the uncircumcised, just as Peter had been to the circumcised. For God, who was at work in Peter as an apostle to the circumcised, was also at work in me, an apostle to the Gentiles. So James, Cephas, and John, those entrusted as pillars, gave me... uh, gave me and Barnabas the right hand of fellowship when they recognized the grace given to me. That was also uh, verse 9, so 7, seven through 9. So um, basically, uh, Paul had been preaching to the Gentiles, and he'd been telling them, you don't need to be circumcised to become a Christian. And then some Jewish folks showed up and, and said, no, 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 no. You have to become a Jewish person first, uh, before you can become a Christian, which means you have to be circumcised. You have to be under the law of Moses. So if a Gentile man wanted to become a Jewish man, he would have to be circumcised as an adult. Jewish men were up circumcised as babies, so they don't really remember that that pain. Uh, and so Gentiles weren't. And so now uh, basically what they're saying is to be part of the, the covenant that Jesus made, you first have to be part of the Mosaic covenant, uh, and so you have to be circumcised. Where Paul said, no, 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 that's not the way it is. And so he goes to Jerusalem, to the pillars, to the to the disciples, to the apostles, and says, uh, you know, affirm that you, affirm that this doesn't need to happen. Affirm that this doesn't need to happen. So uh, this is a this is a very important thing. This is what Luther had to say about it. The believing Jews, however, could not get it through their heads that circumcision was not necessary for salvation. They were encouraged in their wrong attitude by the false apostles. The result was that the people were up in arms against Paul and his doctrine. So Martin Luther, I love it. They could not get it through their heads that circumcision was not necessary for salvation. Luther had a way of saying things that, you know, only Luther could say something a certain way. So that you don't need to be circumcised to be a Christian. You do not need to be Jewish before you become a, a Christian. Now, the fact that Paul takes this matter up and, and is so fervent about it is, is remarkable because Paul 
it would be easy for him to say this this doesn't affect me i am circumcised right and so for those of you who uh, aren't circumcised but want to become christians well you that's your problem so you can deal with it right but paul says no i'm i'm going to stand up for you i'm going to stand up for you and and this is this is an important part of what it means to proclaim the gospel right uh, if if we believe in god's grace then this is an important part of that and so we need to make sure that we're all on the same page in this and so paul goes to jerusalem and he brings titus with him titus who is a gentile who wasn't circumcised who had joined the church and and so uh, he presents titus to the apostles and says look i He's not circumcised. Are you saying he's not a Christian because he's not circumcised? And so um, it, it says they they give their right hand in fellowship and uh, and they approve of what Paul is doing. Um, and so Paul Paul wins basically. Paul wins. Paul Paul is right. Um, and uh, and so they accept Paul's ministry. So that's a big win for Paul, so that he can go back to the other churches around and and say I I was right. I was right. I'm sure Paul wasn't gonna you know, do it in, in a rude way, but you know, to let people know that this is, this is what we believe. And if you don't like it, I'm sorry, but this is, this is what we believe. Uh, just to one last thing on that verse 10, all they asked all the, the leaders in Jerusalem was that we should continue to remember the poor, the very thing I had been eager to do all along. So they say, yes, continue doing what you're doing. Continue proclaiming the gospel to Gentiles. You do not need to circumcise Gentiles. Just remember the poor. Just remember those in need. That's that's all that we ask of you. Please, please, please remember the poor. Uh, and and Paul says, I was eager to do that all along. And I think that's such an important thing for the church to hear today. You know, just please, please, please remember the poor. Remember those who are in need. And so we, as as the church, right? As that we are the church, you know, I have to ask, are we eager to help those who are in need? Are we eager to help those who who are poor? What can we do? How can we be like Paul and stand up for those who can't stand up for themselves? Who, who you know, if, if an uncircumcised person came in to make this argument, they would be they would be thrown out, right? They would be thrown out because Paul has the place of authority within the church that he can he can stand up for those who uh, who can't don't have the authority to stand up for themselves or you know and to help the poor. And I think this is one of those things that we need to we need to remember. You know, this is part of what it means to be the church is to help the poor and to stand up for those who are in need, stand up for those who can't stand up for themselves. Uh, and so Paul does that. And, and I think it's a really cool way that Paul, that Paul does that. So uh, that's uh, verses 1 through 10. So the next, uh, the next section, we're going to read verses 11 through 14. Uh, four, four verses. It's going to take a little bit of time, but I think this is really important. And this, this to me is kind of funny. Uh, it's not funny, but it's, I mean, it's, it's humanity at its, we've all been there. We've all been there. So 11 through 14. When Cephas came to Antioch, I opposed him to his face because he stood condemned. For before certain men came from James, he used to eat with the Gentiles. But when they arrived, he began to draw back and separate himself from the Gentiles because he was afraid of those who belonged to the circumcision group. To other Jews, the other Jews joined him in his hypocrisy so that their hypocrisy so that by their hypocrisy, even Barnabas was led astray. When I saw that they were not accepting in line with the truth of the gospel, I'm sorry, when I saw they were not acting in line with the truth of the gospel, I said to Cephas in front of them all, you are a Jew, yet you live like a Gentile and not like a Jew. How is it then 
that you force Gentiles to follow follow Jewish customs. Well, that was a struggle. I need to get I need to get a Bible with bigger font. I guess I guess it's I'm getting <laughs> I'm getting to that point. I either either need bifocals or a Bible with bigger font. Oh, oh Lord have mercy. Okay. So, so Paul chastises Cephas who is Peter in front of everybody. You chastise in front of everybody. Here's why. So Peter was in agreement with Paul that welcoming Gentiles into the church uh, was a good thing and they didn't need to be circumcised first. And so then Peter came to Antioch, basically Paul's home church, and he spent some time there and he hung out and he ate with Gentiles until it says certain men showed up. Certain people showed up and then he refused to associate with Gentiles because other people showed up. This this was a this was serious because it involved eating together, right? The The separation was probably at the church potluck dinner, which they called the, the love feast or the agape banquet. And, and so before these certain men showed up, right, Peter would eat with the Gentiles. And then they showed up and he's like, oh, sorry, y'all aren't cool enough anymore for me to sit with. This is a high school cafeteria is what this is, right? When your friends are away, you eat with other people. And then when your friends show, well, I'm going to sit with my friends now. Right, I can't. Asso- I get my fr- I, my friends can't see me associating with you because you know I, I'm afraid of what they'll think. I'm afraid of what they'll think if they see me sitting with you in this high school cafeteria church potluck, right? Uh, but the problem is, is they remembered the Lord's Supper also at this agape feast, uh, and so this is the communion table basically. So Luther said Paul had no small matter in hand, but the chief article of the Christian religion. When this article is endangered, we must not hesitate to resist Peter or an angel from heaven. Basically, Peter was saying, you know, I'm only going to, I'm going to go over here and we're going to do a communion with these people. And that's not right. And so Paul called him out publicly. Paul called him out publicly. Peter, I, I know you're Peter, right? And I, I know you're a pretty big deal in the church, but you're acting like a teenager. You can't do this. You're not acting in accordance with, with the gospel. So why did Peter do this? Well, he didn't want, he was afraid, you know, certain men would, these certain men who showed up would think, uh, you know, certain things if they saw him. And so out of fear, he decides not to sit with him. But for Paul, it was more important to make everyone feel welcome than for a few people to feel like they are the most important in the community. It was ne- there was never a good point to make others feel ostracized, to make others feel not welcome. Right. Uh, and so 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 for Paul, it was love within the entire community more important than the uh, the individuals who thought they were more important uh, than, than than someone else. So, uh, you know, when was when when in our lives have we known what was right? But we were afraid to do what was right because of what others might think of us. That's what's going on here. Right. Peter knew what was right, but he was afraid to do what was right because he was afraid of what others might think of him. And so he was unwilling to do what was right. And, and on the flip side, could you, could you public, publicly rebuke a friend or another member of the church when you knew that what they were doing uh, was against the gospel? That they were living their life in a manner that was not worthy of the gospel or not consistent with the gospel? Could you do that or could you allow a friend to do that to you? If you were living your life in a manner such as this, could you allow a friend to publicly call you out? What I mean, how would that make you feel? Right? To be publicly called out for doing the wrong thing. 
That's what Paul is doing to Peter. And I, I have to imagine Peter did not like this, right? Peter did not like this. But I imagine that Peter understood that Peter understood and knew that what he was doing was the wrong thing. I mean, I'd have to imagine that Peter has is is aware enough to realize that what Paul was doing was appropriate because what he had been doing was inappropriate. And I think that's part of it, is understanding when, when what we're doing is inappropriate and, and taking... Uh, Taking the chastisement, taking the, uh, the, the rebuke of a friend uh, for the sake of the church and understanding that, um, you know, what I did was inappropriate and I'm, I'm willing to accept that and own that and apologize for that and, and move on, right? I think so often when someone calls us out on something, we're, we're not willing to, um, to admit to our wrongdoings. We're not, you know, and so we just get defensive, right? And that's, that's what happens a lot in these circumstances today. Okay, and then the last verse for today is verse 21. Paul, Paul writes, I do not set aside the grace of God, for if righteousness could be gained through the law, Christ died for nothing. So basically what we have here is Paul uh, responding to some people who said that, that grace isn't everything, that grace isn't everything, that as some people from Jerusalem saw it, the idea that we are made right before God by faith in Jesus alone just wasn't enough. It just wasn't enough that we were made right before God by faith in Jesus and just that, right? Which goes back to the circumcision question. You know, okay, you can have faith in Jesus, but you also need to be circumcised. Paul says, well, that doesn't make sense. I think as Christians, we still struggle with this. We still struggle with this and we struggle with this a lot. I think I think our our go-to understanding for salvation is that uh, there has to be grace from God. There has to be a whole bunch of grace from God, right? Plus, plus some good works on our part, right? So we have grace from God plus a little bit of me being a good person equals salvation, right? So God is a God of grace. God has forgiven our sins. God has saved us. God has done all these things. But at the same time, we still want to do some good things. And we, we think that those good things that we do are going to be added on top of the grace. And when you add the two together, that's enough to equal salvation. And that's what they thought back then. Yeah, we believe in a God of grace, but we also believe that we need to be circumcised. If you put the two together, you're good, right? For us, it's, you know, we believe in God's grace, but, you know, you have to make sure that you don't cuss and make sure that you go to church enough and make sure you give enough and make sure all this stuff, right? Uh, and then when you, so you take God's grace and you add the, the little stuff we do, and then, and then we get salvation. Luther said, to give a short definition of a Christian, a Christian is not somebody who has no sin, but somebody against whom God no longer chalks sin because of his faith in Christ. This doctrine brings comfort to consciences in serious trouble because of his faith in Christ, period. That's it. There's nothing added onto that sentence. There's nothing more. So grace is an all or nothing thing. Or else Paul says, Christ died for nothing. So we are saved. We are made right with God because of grace, period. Because God has done it all. Our sins are no longer chalked against us. There is no, there is no book where there's a record of all the things that we have done. Uh, and so it is grace and grace alone and grace period. Is it important to live a good life? Well, yeah, that's a, we talked about the, you know, remember the poor. 
Stand up for those who, who you know, who, who can't stand up for themselves. Uh, be a good person. Yeah, that, that's the life of, of faith. But when it comes to salvation, it's not grace plus. It's grace, period. Uh, and so that's an important thing for us to know. Or else Christ died for nothing, as Paul says. Or else Christ died for nothing. So there is Galatians chapter 2. And we'll finish with a short prayer. Uh, Good and gracious God, we thank you for your many blessings. But most of all, Lord, we thank you for dying for us and giving us grace so that we can be confident of our salvation, not because of the good things we've done, but because of the wonderful things that you have done for us, Uh, for your love for us, for your grace and for your forgiveness. Uh, Let us live lives of gratitude and, and always remember those who are less fortunate in Jesus name. Amen. All right, everybody. Have a great day. Thanks for joining me today.